Something that has gone horrendously wrong in most countries around the world is the staggering increase in cancer incidents and deaths. This is not a new trend, and Dr. Ulrich Williams wrote in the 1930s that the mortality per living million from cancer in England and Wales increased from 274 in the year 1850 to 1,563 in the year 1934 and is still sweeping upward. He was correct that the trend was continuing upward, and in the present era, the cancer mortality rate in the United Kingdom is around 2,600 per million people. What has happened to all the supposed preventative medicine? When I was working in the allopathic system, it was presented as a mystery, and often excused with the suggestion that it must be the result of aging populations. However, many of the cancers are affecting young people, and one of these is skin cancer. How did this happen, when for the past four decades, the population has been slopping on sunscreen in far higher quantities than ever before? Let's have a look at who's been telling lies about sunscreen. Where sunscreen if i could offer you only one tip for the future sunscreen would be it the long-term benefits of sunscreen have been proved by scientists if we look at the number of cases of melanoma in australia from 1982 to 2017 we see an alarming trend the number of cases each year has gone up more than four times now, of course, the population has gone up over this time, but even allowing for that, the incidence has well over doubled. And the total number is still very important, as it not only represents sick individuals, but also the burden on health services and taxpayers. We can see that the general trend of all cancers has increased in Australia from 1982 to 2017. And this is in keeping with international trends, with Australia being comparable to the United States, United Kingdom, Canada, and New Zealand. According to Cancer Research UK, one in two people will be diagnosed with cancer in their lifetime. In other words, there are no shortages of cases, despite their efforts. We can see the paradigm that they are in when they state that 38% of cancer cases are preventable. This implies that 62% are not preventable, which is the kind of nonsense I was taught in med school. The model of cancer striking people down through bad genes, or simply out of the blue. Nothing to do with the hundreds of choices and factors affecting them, from their psychological state through to their diet and water sources. As a little segue, these cancer organisations command enormous amounts of funds and resources. In the 2022-23 year, Cancer Research UK had £398 million to fund new research proposals and spent £415 million on new and ongoing research in the year. And what is there to show for all the spending? Apparently, some charts showing that the rates of cancer continue to climb. It is much like the allopathic medical system itself. As I detailed in my video, Medicine, The Killing Fields, the system literally kills people and uses cover stories such as, quote, viruses as the destructive practices can continue. 
and every year the practitioners and medico-pharmaceutical companies call for more money as the system continues to expand. In the case of cancer, it is also a business model where despite the consumption of billions of dollars every year, they are still claiming that they don't know what causes almost two-thirds of cancers. But if you give them some more money, they'll try and work it out. However, the website does state that for 10 cancer types, including two of the five most common cancer types in the UK, lung cancer and melanoma skin cancer, more than 70% of UK cancer cases were attributable to known risk factors. They do provide a citation for this, and it is a 2015 epidemiological study published in Nature in 2018. If you download the supplementary material of the study, it is apparent that the methodology they have employed is very simplistic. Essentially, for several of the cancer types, they have declared one risk factor. In the case of melanoma, they have listed UV radiation as the risk factor for a whopping 86.5% of the cases. How did they come up with this figure? They base it on a World Health Organization publication that lists UV radiation as a quote, carcinogenic agent with sufficient evidence in humans. Let's say, for argument's sake, we decide to accept this relationship. It still leaves the problem of how on earth this was quantified at 86.5%. If we go back to the 2015 Nature paper, we can see that the so-called population attributable fractions were created using a quote, standard formula that looks like this. At this point, it is apparent that they are basically making things up. And frankly, it sounds made up. And with this many assumptions, it can be concluded that the results are almost certainly going to be garbage. I guess we shouldn't be surprised, as I mentioned in my recent video, Five Spectacular Fails from Germ Theory. Epidemiological statistics can be manufactured to the point where they are claimed to be evidence for viruses that have not even been shown to exist. And what about direct scientific studies looking at UV exposure and cancer rates. No, it's more modelling when you look here too. So the invented models regarding cancer causation is the first issue, but then there are further troubles with their claims. While the stats showing the continued increase in melanoma are presumably reliable, there are problems with the interpretation of the data. The claim is that the reason melanoma rates continue to climb is because of UV radiation exposure. This seems odd, as when I started school in the late 1980s, the anti-sun campaigns were already in full swing, and sunscreen use became highly prevalent in countries like New Zealand and Australia. Up until then, most people didn't give it much thought, and kids and adults were free-ranging on the beach and outdoor areas in our parts of the world. But then we were told that sun exposure was dangerous, as it was causing cancer. So we needed to start applying sunscreen. There were huge public health campaigns, as the mantra was drummed into the population, particularly through TV programming. There has certainly been plenty of slopping on the sunscreen over the past four decades, and yet the rates of melanoma have continued to rise. I guess it must be climate change. I must confess that I was a regular user of sunscreen for much of my life, with my fair skin having a propensity to burn, and growing up in the 80s and 90s with the Sunfair campaigns, it seemed like the right thing to do. 
The first inkling I had into the problem with the sunscreen story was when I met my husband Mark in 2007. He was finishing up his time as a professional athlete and on heavy training days would be outdoors running and cycling for up to 8 hours. I presumed that he must have used a lot of sunscreen and was surprised to see that he didn't and instead would train with lightweight long sleeve tops and sunglasses. He said it was because all sunscreen felt terrible on his skin as it blocked the pores to interfere with sweating, cooling and eliminatory processes. Instinctively, he felt that something was wrong with it. And when we scratch beneath the surface, there is the problem of exposing the skin to the smorgasbord of chemical ingredients in sunscreens. In this article under the heading, Are Sunscreen Ingredients Harmful? It says, With high product safety standards in Australia, all ingredients for sunscreens must be approved by the Therapeutic Goods Administration, or TGA. Well, that's not reassuring at all. Remember, this is the same TGA that approved the COVID-19 vaccines quick smart in January 2021. The history of pharmaceuticals is a whole lot of hype when they are first released and in vogue, followed by safety scandals and then the products dropping out of the market as they are replaced by, quote, better ones. You can watch my videos, Safe and Effective, then and now, and the myth of safe and effective to see historical examples of this ongoing problem. There are so many different chemicals that have been put in sunscreens, both now and in the past, that it would take hours to go through all of them and their possible effects. Suffice to say, it is better to avoid all synthetic chemicals as a rule of thumb. As many of you will be aware, I don't even recommend using typical soap on your body because it reduces the health of your skin, as I covered in my video, Better Skin With No Soap. There is also the additional problem of the chemicals entering the general environment as well. While a 2019 article that appeared on the CDC's website continued to espouse the benefits of sunscreen, the narrative was already falling apart by the early 2000s. The public health predictive models were incorrect, and the number of cancers kept increasing despite more sunscreen being used. In 2002, researchers analysed the relationship between sunscreen use and melanoma, concluding that two case control studies show a protective effect of sunscreen use, while three studies showed a significant risk associated with sunscreen use. The authors knew that it would be controversial, so to get the paper in the British Journal of Dermatology likely inserted some of the excuses as to why sunscreen might not be working as expected. More recently, a paper appeared in the European Journal of Dermatology and concluded that while the current evidence suggests no increased risk of skin cancer related to sunscreen use, this systematic review does not confirm the expected protective benefits of sunscreen against skin cancer in the general population. Hold up! Can you see how the language has changed? In order to hide the fact that they can't find evidence for the benefit of sunscreen, they are trying to dig up evidence to reassure the public it is not making things worse and causing cancer. But I think it is clear we smell a rat here. Mainstream journals are part of the medical establishment, being largely under the control of the pharmaceutical industry and groups with vested interests. They are unlikely to allow publication of findings that will completely demolish the sunscreen narrative, although the studies we've just looked at are damning enough. 
The current sunscreen market is worth about $7 billion per year, with estimates that it will reach $10 billion by 2030. Not something that they are going to let go of if they can help it. Government institutions and their public health officials have been lying for years about the supposed benefits of sunscreen when they didn't have adequate scientific evidence to back it up. It's bound to happen when you invent models and then set up funding streams based on such models. The public appear to be getting suspicious though, and by 2017 it was reported that just 55% of Australian adults believe sunscreen is safe to use every day, 6% less than just three years earlier. This was of concern to the Cancer Council team, and they published an article with the headline, now is not the time for Australians to lose confidence in sunscreen. They admitted that melanoma rates in Australia are among the highest in the world and two out of every three Australians will be diagnosed with a skin cancer by the age of 70. But they conclude that the solution is more sunscreen. Once again, their alleged evidence comes in the form of an estimated model. But we're not falling for that again. Unfortunately, the Cancer Council website exemplifies the major flaws of mainstream cancer beliefs that goes beyond focusing on the wrong causes of cancer. It also promotes screening programs, which do not achieve what they claim, and even worse, leads people to put their faith in a test or examination every few years, rather than taking all the lifestyle measures required to prevent cancer in the first place. They advocate, quote, treatments such as chemotherapy and radiation, which hit the body with another form of toxicity right at the time it is needing to reverse such toxicity. It is astounding that at so many funeral services, there are invitations to donate more money to these parasitic organisations. It's darkly ironic that when the individual realised they were not going to survive, they suggest giving more tribute to the institutions that failed them. Despite all the public health campaigns, screening programs and research, the rates of cancer continue to climb on their watch. More money is not going to resuscitate a broken model. If you want to take a deeper dive into the problems of cancer management in the allopathic system, you can listen to some of Mark's interviews on the Fear Food Forager show. I'll put the links in the description. Allopathic medicine makes a big mistake with cancer, and that is the widespread belief that it is a localized disease. That's why with conditions such as melanoma and other skin cancers, they list their one main risk factor as UV exposure. They can't imagine that other factors in the individual, such as nutrition, exercise levels, psychological state, vitamin D levels, and what kind of chemicals they have been slopping on their skin may be contributing to the problem. And once the diagnosis is made, the doctors don't advise the most important step of all, stopping the cause. How can they, when they are programmed to believe that the sun is the cause, and the person is then advised to apply more sunscreen? Three factors make cancer fatal. Continuation of the cause, orthodox efforts to cure, fear, and mistaken belief in incurability. Cancer is but one result of failure to live healthily, psychological turmoil, wrong thinking, vitamin and mineral deficiency, and toxic accumulation are the causes. Dr. Ulrich Williams, Terrain Therapy.
One question you may have is what to do to avoid excessive amounts of sun exposure if sunscreen is off the table. Nature lets you know when you are getting too much sun with sunburn, dry skin and feeling generally hot and uncomfortable. In many cases it is a simple return to what we used to do that is seeking shade when the sun is at its most intense. This can be in the form of being indoors, under trees, or if you want to be a trendsetter, carrying a parasol. I know for people that work outdoors all day, it can be difficult, but wearing wide-brimmed hats and lightweight, long-sleeved tops could be an option. For those that say this is impossible to do, then ask why everyone has to be working at the same time when the sun is at its most intense. When it comes to being healthy and avoiding cancer, don't fall into the trap of doing what most people are doing, as they are not doing well. In addition, don't place your faith in public health institutions and their claims that they are going to help you. They have become one of the marketing wings for the industries that are the true beneficiaries in this fiasco. So as always, it comes back to right living, right thinking, with each of us empowered to make this happen. I hope you will continue to join me on this journey as we discover how to achieve true health. If you enjoyed this video, please visit supportdrsam.com 